again. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches with Jane Litt from Dear Author, and welcome to the Dear Bitches Smart Authors podcast. This week we're talking about digital backlist, older romances that have been re-released in digital format, and what we think they ought to cost versus what they actually cost. We also talk about vintage romances, older books that we loved, and books that we're reading now. There's a lot of titles, and as you requested, I will make a list of all of the books we discuss, good and bad, in the podcast. Today's music is by Sassy Outwater. You can follow her on Twitter, at Sassy Outwater. And you can find us on Twitter as well. I'm at Smart Bitches, and Jane is at Jane underscore L. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'll be back soon with more, and if you have suggestions of what you'd like us to talk about in future editions, email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And now, on with the show. So you wanted to talk about pricing. What's up with pricing? Well, there's some weird pricing going on. There are some titles put out by, um, I, I guess, was Warner, now is forever, a division of Grand Central, and they're pricing these backlist titles at like ten, eleven dollars. Huh? Yes. I'm not paying eleven dollars for a book that that's all that 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 I would sooner buy it, cut it, and scan my own copy. Well, right. You could probably buy it for the penny on Amazon uh, Marketplace, and then there's that new uh, book scanning service where they'll do a hundred hundred pages for a dollar. So you could get your own DRM free digital book for about six bucks um, if you didn't have, uh, instead of buying the 1099 version. Why would you pay 1099 for an old ebook? I mean, why? It just, I, I'm completely baffled. Like who thought that was a good idea? Don't know, but there's a few titles. Okay. It's actually beauty and the spy actually is mass market priced at 2299 with the Kindle. With the Kindle edition for ten ninety nine, Ways to Be Wicked is priced at twenty ninety nine. With the Kindle edition at nine ninety nine, well, I have I, no I, idea I, what's going there, I, going on I, there. I, I I can't even describe the look on my face. What? Yeah. Twenty. What is it? Bound in solid gold? Is that what it is? Is it? Is it like it? it they dipped it in gold, didn't they? That's what it is. Because in gold, like fifteen hundred dollars an ounce. That's why this is so expensive. It's not just the yellow border on the pages. It's a gold border, actual gold gilding. What the? This book is from two thousand and six. Yeah. Now some people are saying it's an error, but it's been brought to uh, their attention more than once. So if it was an error, wouldn't it have been corrected by now? I mean, this has been the price for like months. That's crazy. I love that there's a one one star review going, why did I buy this at $10? What was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know. What were you thinking? Holy hell. You know, that makes me feel really bad for the author. Because yes. Julianne Long has really good press, and you've been telling me how good her books are, and I have them on the on, on my on my to-be-read spreadsheet, which I'm now embarrassed that I keep, but I do. I, I'm like embarrassed for her that the book is so expensive. What the hell? Can you write a romance that's worth $22 in a paperback? Like, well, is there any, is there any paperback romance that you would pay $22 for? Well, yes. Which because, one? Well, let me, let me explain this. People buy hardcovers all the time. I don't, but okay. Yes. I'm with you. 
So uh, Nalini sings in hardcover, uh, Nora Roberts, Christine Feehan, J.R. Ward. So lots of people believe that these stories are worth you know, $20 $25, and they're willing to pay it. I, I mean, I'm not willing to pay it, but some people are. So the, the story itself, some people have deemed is worth that type of money. But see, I would uh, argue they're not paying for the story at 22 bucks. They're paying to have it right on release date in a format, a big heavy format that is not going to break down or rip or break in half. I mean, it's kind of hard to destroy a hardback unless you've got a flamethrower, whereas a paperback can get hurt very easily. I always figured if you're going to spend 22, 23 bucks on a book, you're not only be paying for the right to be the first one out of the gate to get it, but you're also paying for that durable format. Well, I think that you're pay I think that people are paying for the early release versus the format. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how many people really enjoy reading hardcovers. They're kind of difficult to read. I don't know. My dad is one of those guys who reads like a 600-page hardback novels about dead Civil War generals, and I've never understood that in my life, but he will only buy hardback, and I think he's nuts. Of course, now he has a Kindle because he has arthritis, so that may be part of the reason why he switched to the Kindle. I, I do not understand buying hardback. I've never been someone who says, I have to read this book and I'll get it in hardback. I, $22 to me represents too many other books that I could have bought. But when I look at a hardback for $22, I'm conditioned enough that that makes sense. If I look at a paperback for $22, I'm thinking, what's in there? Like free software? Well, like uh, a free copy of Microsoft? What's in there? <laughs> Reader JMC tweeted me last night and said that Carla Kelly's books are being, re her traditional regencies are being reissued. Marion's Christmas Wish uh, is being reissued this Thursday, tomorrow, but it's $8.99, and it was a traditional regency, which means it wouldn't have been more than 250 pages. Isn't that what... Um is it Penguin is doing with the older Joe Beverly Regencies? They're putting them in trade format, and they're about, aren't they $17? Yes. Maybe yes. Are they doing the same with Carla Kelly, or is it a different publisher? This is a different publisher, Cedar Fort. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Now, it, it, these books used to be very hard to find, and they were fairly expensive on the used market. However, I think that most people will balk at price paying uh, $8.99 for a traditional regency. I do, too. One of the things that I really like about the HarperCollins classic romance sales that they've had with Loretta Chase and with Joanna Lindsay is that not only are they offering backlist at a really low price, but it's just at the border of my convenience price. I'd say between $99 and $299, I will buy a digital copy of a book I already own just to have the convenience of having it with me wherever I am. Eight ninety nine for something that I'm mildly curious about. I'd st I still wouldn't buy that. That's not convenient in any definition. I think the problem with backlist titles is that readers. I, I think there's a bunch of things that go into readers' valuation of backlist titles. First, it's a used product. I mean, it's already been out there for years and years and years. It's not new, and so people are just apt to spend more money on quote-unquote new things than they are on used things or old things. Even if it's a new format. Yeah, I agree with you. I also think that you compete with the, the used book market. So there's a little shop that I go to where I can buy category books for $0.10. Cents. I came home one day with 60 books and I had paid under $10 for <laughs> 
That's a lot of freaking books. Yeah, because, you know, they're 10 cents a copy. So you're getting 10 books for a dollar. Um, and you can get real finds there. Or like, uh, I don't know, does your Planned Parenthood have a book sale? Our Planned Parenthood hosts a book sale twice a year at the state fairgrounds. And you can get boxes of books there for like $5. Can I just tell you how much it makes me giggle that Planned Parenthood is selling boxes of secret baby books? I find that really funny. (laughs) We don't have a Planned Parenthood book sale, um, but we do have a women's club that sells books for scholarship money for local students. And it's the same thing. You'll get a giant box of romance for like 4 or $5. Right. So uh, print so putting them out there for 8.99. I guess I'd rather go on the hunt and try to find it for 10 cents at my local bookstore. Or you can find them online so easily at this point. One thing I found really interesting was I did a review of earlier this year of Blaze Wyndham by Bertrice Small, which is one of the oldest romances that I remember reading and I was so scandalized by this book. I was young enough to be shocked by what I was reading. And my copy is falling apart. So I bought a copy for 99 cents and I, and I made sure to get the same cover because the cover is so crazy. Um, I made sure to get the same cover, the old mass market paperback. And I, I think it might have been 99 cents and I qualified for free shipping. I mean, it was ridiculously cheap. When I reviewed the book, somebody commented that they were a like they were a libra- there was a librarian and she could not buy another copy on the used market even though her two copies were falling apart they're not allowed to buy used books so i went online and bought two books for 99 cents and sent them to her library because new now this book is $23 in paperback and it's 17.99 for the kindle that's crazy. I would sooner buy multiple paper copies like that for 99 cents. It seems so strange. I think you're very right. You, you're, you're competing with the concept that it's, it's used. It's already out there. We can find it for cheaper. I think that publishers have kind of done themselves a disservice because they no. taught us about... <laughs> Publishing has done itself. No. <gasps> Perish the thought. <laughs> Well, they've trained us. They, they've told us if you buy early, you have to pay a premium. If you wait, the price goes down. Right. So the farther out the pre- you know, farther out from that original publication date, cheaper and cheaper we think it should be. <laughs> yeah, they were hoisted by their own petard on that one, weren't they? Until the pendulum swings all the way around and you're a rare and used book. <laughs> and right. High. But that's not ever going to apply to many, many, many of the romance books. I, I, I don't remember. The most expensive one I've seen in paperback was the Christina Dodd with three hands. And even though there are copies online for 4 or $5, there was somebody who listed it for $275. And I thought, you go with your crazy self. And I know that copies of that one Nora Roberts that she won't allow to be re-released are Promise very... Promise me tomorrow. Yes, that's like the holy grail of used romance. If you find that, it's worth quite a bit. I'm really trying to think if there was a book that I would pay that much for in plain old everyday paperback format. Now, I think that there's a market for some authors to create special editions of their books, like you know, the 25th anniversary of a book that was that is still in print. You do a big edition with extras and stuff and swag and, you know, baked goods. There's room for that type of product collection, I think. And I think that some readers would totally want to own a limited edition version of books like that. But I come on. Twenty two dollars oh. for a paperback, plain on everyday paperback. That's crazy. 
I, oh, I totally agree. I think that there is definitely a market, a small market mm-hmm. for collectible books. I Did you ever see the hardcover of Karen Marie Moaning's last book? No. It's really gorgeous. And I thought they did a great job of publishing it in, in packaging it. Um, you mean Shadow this, Fever? Yeah, it's got this translucent cover and then the hardback, the you know the hard cover is printed so then the translucent cover goes over the hardback and it has this really three-dimensional look it's it's really a gorgeous hardcover I got a complimentary copy and I kept it because I just thought it was such a beautiful book um I think Nora Roberts um last the bride quartet the Bride Quartet was beautifully published with the covers and the deco pages mm-hmm. and the, you know, the cover flaps uh, on the front and back of the trade paperback. They were gorgeous. It, it, yeah, I think that there's room in in a reader's library for books as artifacts and yeah. that you'll pay more for that. But as much as I think Julianne Long is a great writer... I don't think that the, her mass market books are books as artifacts. No, I don't think she's achieved artifact status. It makes me wonder how the um, the next Nora Roberts, is it a trilogy about the inn? It mm-hmm. makes me wonder how that is going to be produced, if it's going to be the same high production value as the Bride Quartet. Or if it, looks, it says here that it's trade, so it could be, it could be just as touchable. I, that sounds really skeevy, but it's a book like you see it and you want to pick it up and touch it and feel the cover and look at the pages. I mean, it is an entirely tactile experience. There's definitely room for a collectible with Nora and with authors like that, but I don't, I agree with you. I don't think Julianne Long has really hit collectible status. Maybe someday. I'd love to see some of my favorite books. I'd love to have the option of having them printed in hardcover. Um, and I think that in the future, that there'll be that option as print-on-demand becomes less expensive mm-hmm. and we can create a more customized product. So, for example, Mel Jean Brooks' Iron Seas series, I'd love to have that in kind of a leather-bound yeah. uh, collectible. Imagine the collectible surrounding that. It could be gorgeous. When you said collectible editions, my first thought was all these people I know who make family cookbooks where they collect all of the old family recipes and then make a hardcover cookbook for everyone in the family with the family recipes for each holiday. If that can be done at a reasonable price, the price has to come down soon for larger pieces of, of writing. I know my, my mother-in-law every year makes Passover with recipes that she cut out from the newspaper in 1962, and they're totally fun to look at because the advertisements are awesome. But she's using these these literally just they're like they're not even paper anymore they're more like crispy pieces of something and you can't even pick them up you just have to slide them across the page i would love to bind those in a book for her and it's not that expensive i looked into doing it it can't be that much more expensive eventually to do a book and i'm god now i'm going to make a list all the books i want to make into hardcover collector editions for myself <laughs> like wouldn't it be fun if you could take like three or four sarah morgan books and have them bound in one collection the sarah morgan omnibus That'd be awesome. And there's a couple of, of old Judith McNaughts that I would do that with. There are some Judith McNaught novels that I, I have a copy of Perfect that's currently in three pieces held together by duct tape. My son tried to throw it away. I nearly flipped. See, I just think mass markets, they don't have any collectible appeal. They're disposable books, which is why I think that the, the format's going to go the way of the dodo bird. 
but I do think that there's room for really beautiful packaged uh, hardcovers or trades that ardent fans would buy because they want to put it on their shelves. I'm actually looking at my bookshelf right now, and I'm trying to think all of the books that I have that are in the are in somewhat decent condition are all trades. All my paperbacks are falling apart. It really is a very delicate, disposable format that doesn't last very long. Even when they just sit on the shelf, they get all unhappy. I don't even, you know, because I just buy so few paper books anymore. I, I just don't even have those on my shelves anymore. I'll, most of my paperbacks are in garbage bags in the basement. I'm waiting for all of the digital versions to come out so I can slowly go through and just throw them away. Oh, my goodness. Or just buy, you know, a high-speed scanner and scan them all in and make your own copies. I know, but that you, that would take a lot of time. It would take a long time. I, I even have a, a high-speed scanner, and I don't think it can take more than, like, 15 pages at once. I think that's really its limit. So that would take a long-ass time to string together. Plus, like, would you tear each page out one by one? Or I suppose if you got, like, an industrial paper cutter that would cut the spine off. See, mm-hmm. here, here's what you need, the home scanning process. You need a a a a, a, a binder slicer mm-hmm. that will slice the bindings off. I feel like we're showing people how to make st- uh, make moonshine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sarah and Jane make moonshine. <laughs> okay, so you need a binder slicer and then a a copy a high speed scanner where you can stick your entire book in and it will scan it in like five minutes. That would I know there are some. I just don't think I could fit one in my house. They're big. <laughs> They're big machines. So if the, something like that is developed for like a couple hundred dollars, I'm there and I will go through my entire collection in one weekend. And scan it all in for your own personal library. To sum up, I think that backlist titles need to be cheaper than frontlist titles. They need to be uh, $3.99 or under, I think, because that is, like you said, that's the level of the, that's the convenience price. Exactly. Because essentially you're selling the book to someone who's A, curious, or B, already owns it in paper and wants the convenience of digital. Right. We're, readers are cheap bastards. We are. But we, we still read. Yeah, we still buy. Oh, Lord, do we buy. I bought like four books this week and I got the uh, – it's really easy. You know, didn't you buy? You just click a button and it doesn't seem like real money. And then I get the email. I'm like, holy crap. school backlist titles ah uh, yes i'm i'm losing way too much time reading the joanna Lindsay that is on the joanna Lindsay's that are on sale i never have never read once a princess and oh is it crazy and i'm so enjoying it i can't remember that book tell me about it okay well i'm not that far into it but um there is a made-up eastern european country populated with really beefy alpha males because they are sequel bait, I presume. And the prince is in the position of having his father abdicate or step down due to illness. And, and the father is insisting that the son honor the, um, the betrothal that was made to this last of the ruling family of that country. Apparently the father got control of the country by, I don't know, Harlequin Presents means or something. 
So there's another dynastic family that has an equal claim to the throne, and so they arranged a marriage so that no one would question their leadership and they'd have beautiful children forever and ever. But the best way to take care of this young woman whose life was in danger because she was the last of her line was to send her to the United States with some woman who was going to raise her as a princess because, you know, that always ends well. And, of course, the woman dies, and, of course, the girl disappears, and so they have to go track her down. Without the Internet, they manage to find her because she's a barmaid in a, in a house, not going by her real name, and... She's the abused daughter of this piece of crap who is bedridden, and they keep describing him as bloated. Which so, <laughs> is just, and she went in to feed his bloated body breakfast, and I was like, ah, gross. So I thought that when people got sick, their bodies like shrink instead of bloat up. Well, this guy got bloated. And I can only imagine the smell. So she she wants his bar. That's her that's her aspiration. She wants the pub in New Orleans to become her own. And he's like written on a piece of paper that she gets to have it and put it under the floorboard because you know that's legally binding. And the prince and his band of alpha males show up and they're like, "No, you're a princess. You're coming with me." And she's like, "Nah." And they're like, "Yaha." And that goes on for like two chapters. Nah. Yaha. I'm gonna pull your hair. Oh, and she's got a birthmark on her ass that they have to see. Because, of course, if you have a birthmark on your ass and it's not seen by the alpha males, then you don't really have it. And they can't just take your word for it that it's there or not there. <laughs> and then, of course, if she says she is the princess, then they're not going to believe her because she's clearly just, you know, jonesing for the princess life. Because if you were a barmaid in New Orleans, why why wouldn't you want to be a princess? But if she says that she isn't the princess, then they know that she's lying because they know she's lying. I mean, it, it's crazy. And I'm totally enjoying it. I can't tell you how much I enjoy it. I'm telling you, Joanna Lindsay like writes the words and then dusts crack on top of them, and it's contagious. Every printing has the crack. Well, the, I think that she used all her crack up before pre like pre two thousand. <laughs> I have not read any of the books she's published since then. I'm I'm well into the Fabio years of her books. Oh, the Fabio years were the best years. No question. I have a total sick weakness for Silver Angel. Oh, God, that book is crazy. And I love it. Secret twins and sheiks and harems and some girl with eight feet of silver hair who's hot. Yes. Love it. Awesome. I love the totally politically incorrect Savage Thunder. I think that in most romance reader households, there's one person who who uses that as a fart euphemism, and I am that person. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Savage thunder. Oh, yes. It happens after you have beans. <laughs> I had no idea. Savage we thunder. We don't actually have that. Is that a boy household? We don't have that name in our household. Oh, yeah. I'm surrounded by dudes. We talk a lot about farting. So what other old school backlist reprints have you been totally into? Well, Julie Garwood. Uh, isn't it amazing, all these historicals <laughs> that we love? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Julie Garwood, I bought them. Even I think uh, I was able to get a few of them at five ninety nine, um, But some of them I actually paid like $7.99 for. Whoa. I know. Um, I've only bought a few, though, because... I'm hoping that A, they go on sale, and um, B, some of them aren't very good, so I'm not going to buy the ones that I don't really like at the premium price just right. to have them. Uh, so, you know, The Bride, The Secret, those are some of my favorite. I'm really thrilled that they're actually out in digital now. Uh, I've actually been buying a ton of Harlequin Treasury books, although I haven't read them all. 
that counts as backlist, right? I think it counts as backlist. Although the ones I've bought have made me very sad. There was one that I bought. I think it was Night in a White Stetson. Is that is that right? Oh, Sarah, bad with titles. I'm pretty sure it's Night with a White Night in a White White Stetson because it was a it was a help a bitch out. Someone was looking for it. Yeah, it is Night in a White Stetson by Claire, Claire King. King. Yes, and it's it's actually pretty good. But it, it's an OCR scan, and mm. the errors are so bad. Like, it's it got to the point where there was one every other page. And I was like, I am really, I'm so, I'm so distracted by the number of errors. Even though I know why they're there. Like, there's some that, 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 that's, that like, spell check would have caught. Is it really that hard to run spell check? I don't know anything about digital book production. I presume that running spell check is not something that can be done easily, because holy hell. I agree. The the um, production value of the Harlequin Treasury books is pretty poor. And it makes me sad because some of them are like, oh, I want to read this book again. And then you get it and you're like, oh, that's not going to work. Um, and and they're three ninety nine, which is a totally, totally decent price. A lot of times because they're non-agency, you can use a coupon on them. Yep. You can get them for 50% off sometimes or a dollar off yep. depending on what your coupon is. So yeah, I think that those are a good value. I do. I agree with you. I wish that they were of higher production quality. In fact, sometimes I get so irritated. I want to crack the, the strip the DRM so I can make a corrected version. <laughs> I'm going to strip your DRM just so I could run spell check. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That, that that's a that's a that's a threat that strikes fear in the heart of many. I'm going to crack your DRM and correct your spelling errors. But I was I actually read um, a book, yeah, two days ago that was just recently. It was a new release, mm -hmm. a digital release from a big publisher, and uh, apparently the T's are hard for them to make. No, there were the letter T. Because there are lots of those without the T on it. Oh, man. And, and uh, I read Courtney Milan made some comment once about how this might be a kerning problem. I don't really know what it is. But right. apparently F's and T's present a big problem. And so sometimes they disappear <laughs> in the final Oh, product. great. What the hell? So my favorite old school Harlequin Treasury book is Hot Surrender by Charlotte Lamb. I shouldn't say my favorite, but the one that I've enjoyed in the past month or so. Hot Surrender by Charlotte Lamb. I am yes. not familiar with this one. Well, Zoe is the heroine, and she's actually a film director. And she has a very... Um, hate hate relationship with the hero oh i love those <laughs> and there's no baby epilogue it's actually kind of a a battle of the sexes sort of story i it, she couldn't handle this man in her life her feelings were too intense Ooh, it has a four a two and a one star review yes yes readers had very strange things to say about it too Ooh. Nice. You know, one of the comments is, why is she a bitch? <laughs> That's exactly why I like the book. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's That's... such a bitch. <laughs> That's awesome. She's like, she's depicted as this man eater. She dates a lot of guys and she tosses them away. I mean, I just thought it was a fun kind of role reversal. I love role reversals. 
I love I love them especially when they're well done and I don't see the reverse roll reversal until halfway in and I go oh I see what you did there very smart Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Dear Bitches Smart Authors Podcast. If you have uh, suggestions of what you'd like us to cover, or if you'd like to tell us what you're reading that rocks, what vintage romances you've downloaded, email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. That's S for Sarah, B for Bitches, J for Jane, podcast at gmail.com. Today's music, again, is provided by Sassy Outwater. She's going to send us original music each week featuring herself or artists that she grabs off the street. So each week we hope to have good music and a good discussion about romance novels. And as always, I wish you the very best of reading. <laughs>